Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. Today, I'm really delighted to have on um, a friend, although we've never actually met in person, even though we live in a similar part of the world. But I have known Rosie for a couple of years, a few years now, um, and she is a phenomenal woman, um, and I love her very much. The work that she does is incredible. Um, person, our personal connection is that... Um, I've well, I followed her on on socials and been really fascinated by what she did, and then realised that she did business sort of life mindset coaching. And I worked with her for was it about three months or so, and I cannot tell you the difference it made to me. So I will give you the list of all of the things that Rosie does because she is quite the is it polymath the right word I think so. <laughs> So Rosie is a modern medicine woman, um, a psychedelic integration coach, coaching psychologist, mindset coach, business coach, life coach, positive psychologist. And um, I mean, if that's not enough, yes, I think that probably is enough. There's many, many strings to Rosie's bow and she's incredibly talented. Um, So thank you, Rosie, for joining me today. Oh, what a wonderful introduction. Don't know if I'll fit out of the room with my head like this now. <laughs> well, I mean, I know the difference you made to me in my life and my business. Um, and so, you know, before we get into the juicy stuff that I want to talk to you about today, I do just want to put it out there that for people who work in my kind of world, you know, slightly esoteric out there, slightly alternative things, um, your average business coach just isn't going to cut it. You know, you need somebody who's really soul led and um, soul driven and really connects with what you want to do. And Rosie is fantastic at doing that. Um, so if you are a person who, you know, like me, has a little business and just wants to get out there and reach bigger audience and make an impact, then Rosie is certainly your girl. But having said all of that, um, what I think everybody is interested in, and I'm really interested in, is this first title I gave you, what you give yourself, Modern Medicine Woman. So what does that mean to you, Rosie? And how did you come to be a modern medicine woman? Yeah, do you know what? It's been the hardest title for me to actually sit with. Um, so because of my background, I came into the world of inner transformation through some quite a scientific avenue. I did my master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology. And so as I kind of progressed uh, further into the esoteric side of things, I started to realize that the work that I did was very much aligned to the archetype of the medicine woman, um, sort of also a bit high priestess vibes. Um, yes but i didn't want to own that title for fear of it being cultural appropriation for fear of someone saying who the hell are you to call yourself a medicine woman and you know it took a lot a lot of people calling me that for me to go okay do you know what i'm actually going to take take that title um and and wear it with pride but essentially my journey came from um weaving in practices that i'd learned through being a yoga teacher i qualified to teach yoga in india back in 2015 after i'd burnt out as a secondary school teacher and wanted a new direction uh, and then went on to do the academic studies in positive psychology 
And I came through the other side of that feeling like, oh my goodness, we can transform our mind. Isn't that incredible? But then kind of came to realize that that actually happened quite slowly. And although I had all these tools and practices, it took a little while to make any sort of change. Uh, and then in 2016, I went to Peru uh, and I drank ayahuasca for the first time and my goodness it changed everything incredibly quickly almost like that the things that i had been trying to put into practice through the different tools and techniques that i gained from yoga traditions such as meditations and yoga asana practices this had given me uh, a different perspective on the world on my problems on the way that i was being of my shadow parts of myself more than therapy had more than my yoga practices had more than anything in a really short space of time so much so that actually coming back and and living my life by this new set of understandings was quite difficult really because so much had changed in such a short space of time yeah. um and so that's when i first went on to work with someone around integration this so at the same time alongside this i was doing my masters and i started to be fascinated by integration uh, and saw that in the therapy space in psychedelic therapies um people were already researching this topic. So I started to research it within the coaching space. So for people who are not struggling with a mental health condition like um, depression, anxiety, PTSD, but, but people who you'd consider like in scientific terms to be healthy normals, mm -hmm. how can psychedelics actually benefit them? And, and what could coaching do alongside that? Um, so it's not about kind of trying to resolve some deep trauma. I mean, that might happen within the process. You can't cherry pick what happens on your experience. Um, but, you know, the, the coaching side of things, I wanted to see you know, if you apply these coaching techniques to somebody who's just come out of this super malleable transformational state, what happens? And so that journey took me on a real wild ride. Um, I started working on underground ayahuasca and um, psilocybin mushroom retreats, started to work in some in the Netherlands. And then uh, I also, during COVID, amazingly, was given a a job working in an ayahuasca retreat center over in Costa Rica. So I fled the UK as everything was about to lock down and spent my time out there kind of honing my craft as, as a medicine woman and, and an integrative uh, integration coach and, and helping people to using the kind of tools that I already had in my toolkit, basically make more sense and more change once once they've worked with these plant medicines okay so this is really interesting so i i've always thought you know if you were going to do a psilocybin or ayahuasca um i don't know what's the right word trip experience journey some people call it journey yeah um the i hadn't thought about that fact that the that your state when you come out of it with all this new experience and this new I don't know what, because I've never done it. Um, <laughs> you come out with this new experience and this new mindset, but then integrating back into real life is a really big thing. I mean, the, I think the closest I can come to understanding that is having gone on like a very intense weekend retreat where you don't have time to breathe. You are just in somatic workout. Like, you know, you're either crying or sweating or both of them. <laughs> and you come out of that completely changed but the time to integrate the integration period is really um profound as you you come out of that I remember th this weekend I'm thinking of that I went on I came out of it and I saw everybody uh, through different eyes and it was a really difficult you know it definitely has you know took months to kind of actually let it all settle down so how do you how does this integration after after a journey uh how does that differ or how how do you manage it how, what what are your techniques for doing that absolutely so i feel like integration is a multifaceted thing one of the pieces of integration is bridging the gap between who you were when you left to go off and do your experience and who you are now coming back because often there's like you're explaining the gap in the experience uh, and so people around you don't necessarily know 
the new iteration of you and I often feel like it's akin a little bit to going traveling for a long period of time and so you might go away traveling for six months and during that time you have absorbed all of these very different life experiences maybe you've you know learned new practices encountered new cultures new ways of being new ways of and the way that you've transformed during that time and then you might come back to your hometown where everyone else has got on with the same things in the same routine and nothing else has changed and that can feel really jarring now mm. for people who've done plant medicines that can happen within the space of a week <laughs> so you know and then people are expecting you to come back as the same person who left and you might have had the most transcendental transcendental experience of your life and have connected with god and then you come back and people kind of might be treating you in the exact same way and you might feel completely different inside so one of the things um, I say, your preparation is part of your integration. If you prepare well for an experience, it definitely helps the transition when you come out of it. And so part of it is um, explaining to the people around you as much as you feel safe to that you're going to have one of these experiences and that things might change for you. Um, explaining to them about the concepts of neuroplasticity, what will happen is that your brain will allow there to be new transformative networks to happen. So, you know, being able to prepare those around you for it. Some people might go back into workplaces where you can't really explain that that's what you've been up to and that's okay. Um, and so it's also about then um, changing your expectations of others to see you as you are and, and just knowing that you kind of have to live by these new values in order for someone to relearn this new iteration of you now integration that's one part of it but integration is just as much about acting on what you've learned as it is about you know bridging that gap and so how many of us read a book let's say we read this amazing uh, personal development book and then we don't act on any of the things that we've learned from it and it, it almost becomes this like latent knowledge like we know it but we don't know it and so an, a psychedelic experience can very much be the same thing right it can teach you these incredible things about yourself about your life these new perspectives but if you choose not to act on it if you choose to then almost like have cognitive dissonance from this newly gained knowledge and to continue with your old pathways then nothing is going to change and so that's the thing is to make sure that when you come back you start to live in alignment with these new lessons these new realizations and the most potent and powerful time to do that is straight off the back of the experience because what we found from the uh, brain scans of people working with plant medicines is I mean, they argue on how big the window is, but around 90 days after the experience, you still have this very increased version of neuroplasticity. Some people say it's as much as six months. Some people say it's slightly less, but you're looking at around a window of about three months where you can have a much greater chance of changing the way that you're your brain pathways are wired than you would any other time and it's almost akin to being a very experienced meditator in terms of how it helps you to choose make different choices and then consolidate those but just because you have neuroplasticity doesn't mean you'll make good choices so if you go back to your life and you make really terrible choices you're also deepening those neural pathways so coming back and having someone to support you when you're in that like very um vulnerable and kind of soft gooey ready malleable to be shaped kind of position like to have someone support you then is probably the most important time during your 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 journey because you need to make sure that you're acting in alignment with who you want to be and really making the most of that all that potential that's come up from your ceremony I can see that. I can totally understand that. I mean, I've never done any of these trips, so, but I don't, but so the first thing that I think that a lot of people are going to be asking about, the first thing is going to be, well, hang on a minute. In most places, most countries, ayahuasca, psilocybin, as in magic mushrooms, as they're better known, is illegal, A, and B, you know, we're told all these scary stories about how you can have a bad trip and you can go psychotic or you can, you know, like you go, if, you, if you're having ayahuasca, you will purge and you will throw up and throw up. And, you know, that it's, I think a lot of people are put off by those kind of scare stories. So 
um, I want you to just kind of allay people's fears around that and and ask you what, and this is a really basic question, but what are the benefits? I mean, I know you've kind of already alluded to them. It's this neuroplasticity, it's this ability to, to shift and change in your life. But what are the, like, in real practical terms, like the benefits? First of all, let's just talk about the scary side of it. Yeah, okay. I think that's really important. And I, I just want to say that I don't advocate for you doing it in a way that is illegal or harmful in any way. I think that this is... Uh, the reason I call myself a modern medicine woman now is because it really is about having a sacred relationship with these plants and that I see them to be teachers, sacred teachers who need to have the reverence that I think is required. Uh, that being said, you know, they're not legal everywhere. That's why I do a lot of my work over in the Netherlands. Like I also go over to work in places where it is legal in like the Latin Americas. There are places you can find where it's either legal or decriminalized. And I suggest that finding people practicing in those places gives you the very best opportunity to experience these medicines without any sort of kind of fear coming up about, you know, what the consequences of that might be. And it also means that you can probably talk more readily about your experience because you haven't engaged in an illegal activity, right? So it's much easier to tell a colleague or a family member that you've gone over to a safe uh, established retreat center in the Netherlands where you haven't committed any crime than to say that you've gone to a drug dealer and bought some magic mushrooms and that you're now, you know, taking drugs in your front room by yourself. I think that, you know, that is people will have a different reaction to your experience based on, on the setup that you choose. I also think that harm reduction is so 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 important i have a free preparation course if people want to go on these experiences because i genuinely think everyone should have access to really good quality information about how to reduce harm these are not um something to undertake lightly i think that this these are incredibly powerful and potent spiritual tools uh, they're actually mentioned in uh, some Sanskrit yogic texts um, quite uh, almost flippantly that they mention like, oh, you know, the, there is the path that you can go to through um, meditation, there's the path you can go through to this kind of enlightenment through uh, the austerities, and then there is using plants, but that one's very dangerous and just don't bother with it, basically. Um, and so the reason that's in the uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, just in case you wanted to look that up, and it's referred to as Soma is the plant. Um, but the reason that this is seen to be, you know, such a um, volatile way to get to the state that other paths take you to is because it's like it rocket fuel, it gets you there incredibly quickly. Uh, and it allows you to see all of the things in your life. And let's say you've been living a life where you've had some elements of being out of alignment. Uh, maybe you have hidden that from yourself, because you're actually not ready to come to terms with the full eventuality of that. Uh, an example I can think of is being in a marriage that doesn't serve you and um, you are maybe you have children with a partner who you really in your deepest, deepest, deepest heart of heart know isn't right for you. And then you are in an experience where you are really sitting with all that's present for you and you have to come to terms with the fact that actually you're no longer in love with your partner and actually maybe you don't really like your job or, you know, maybe you don't enjoy where you're living or maybe a family, some stuff can come up that is really difficult uh, and so you have to be prepared for that if you're going to work with these plants it is important that you have come to it knowing that it can open a can of worms and to be really really at a point in your healing journey where you're ready to deal with whatever comes up because you're you feel in a in a position to be able to do that um, I also think that when people have had bad trips these are often trips that have been poorly planned or poorly facilitated or uh, often have been in some way um, misjudged. So uh, when we're looking at harm reduction, we look at your mindset, your setting and the dosage as three really important variables that is important to look at when you're embarking on one of these journeys. And so the dosage, obviously, if you take too much when you've never had some before, that can be that can be a time that it brings up way more than you're ready to see or can be really scary because you don't have the tools or the experience to deal with it. The mindset, so it 
I think they work as an amplifier of whatever's going on in your mind. And some people will take them thinking, oh, I'm feeling really sad. It will make me feel happy. But that's not the case. It will accentuate your experience. So if you're feeling really sad, it might send you into the, the deepest sadness you've ever felt so that you really feel it. It can be like a magnifying glass on something that you've experienced. Um, and so for some people who struggle to sit with the emotions and really want to do that kind of feeling as healing work, it can be a potent tool. But for some people who've, let's say, I don't know, gone to a party and they've taken LSD, hoping that that's going to make them have a good time. But also at that party, they don't massively like those friends and they feel a little bit stressed and anxious. Well, that's just going to amplify what's really going on for them. And they're going to end up having a quite a negative feeling of that experience. And, and that leads to people saying, you know, I've had a bad trip. Um, so I feel like if you see them as a tool to work through trauma as a tool to uh, deepen your spiritual practice as a tool to personal healing and you do them within a very safe and sacred context that minimizes the amount of time that you will have things that come up where you're like I don't think that I can face this in some way um, another reason that I work one-to-one -one with people is because also when you have um, these plant medicines in a group and many many people do they go on a retreat and it's a group of people but if one person starts to process their trauma within that group that energy is then there in the setting and in the space where somebody's wailing and crying and that can unearth a load of stuff and bring up stuff for you as well so for me i have found that working one-on-one -on -one with people when they're working in this kind of psychotherapeutic or psycho coaching psycho spiritual perspective when they're looking at working on their inner work you know doing it actually not in a room full of people but doing it privately with a support with a guide um you know with some music with complete control over their environment so instead of being at a festival it being in a room where you feel safe where you know you know you can put on jumpers if you're not too cold or whatever you being able to control the environment i think is also really helpful um so there are definitely ways that you can make this a safe and usually quite enjoyable um, practice. Um, I will just say uh, also to the purging aspect that is part of what ayahuasca is. Um, however, you don't feel about it the same way you feel about being sick when you're poorly. Um, and so part of the purge can feel like if you ever really wanted to yawn and you can't get a yawn out and you're just like desperate to just do that yawn like you or like a sneeze you know that kind of like feeling like oh i just really really want to sneeze and then when you do it, it's kind of like oh it kind of feels like a psycho spiritual version of that <laughs> so you know that there's some stuff you know ready to come up ready to like be purged to get out of the body to get out of the mind and it might be stuff that you've really sat with inside of you for a long long time it could be things like um like traumas or um limiting beliefs or things that are you know in some way in your body that are causing you discomfort or problems in your psyche and so when you have a purge quite often you can even feel what it is that's coming out sometimes it's like almost um metaphorical so it might be that you see black tar coming out or something or for some people they can really see and connect with the energy of the emotions that are coming up and coming out and so yes for some people they're sick for some people it's a purge of the other end if you know what i mean um but these experiences are often there and afterwards you're just like oh wow i feel so much lighter uh, and this is also why many people won't go straight in with ayahuasca. It isn't a kind of light or recreational undertaking. It's definitely incredibly serious work. And, you know, the the thing with like um, with mushrooms, I think people can have a much lighter, more enjoyable experience. Like people can find mushrooms quite giggly. People can find it quite an enjoyable somatic experience. Whereas ayahuasca quite usually is a bit harder work for the body and often it feels a bit more like a deeper healing practice. Whereas mushrooms couldn't be almost like teaching realizations. Now people will have different um, experiences on both. And I know that I've had my most potent experiences with mushrooms um but then that has been my um, medicine that i have like 
worked with the most deeply and in my shamanic practice has connected with the most as well so you know I, some people almost see it on a hierarchy where it's like oh you know you've got like really um hardcore ones like ayahuasca and i think physically yes it is more difficult and challenging but i've also had some of the most like potent realizations of my life on mushrooms so they each have their own energy and i think part of reducing harm as well is about making sure that you're choosing the right medicine for for the experience that you're wanting to undertake life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's, it's so fascinating. So, the other thing what I love about plant medicine this modern medicine is that these are plants these are things that are naturally occurring this is not a pill made in a factory by some dodgy people whatever it's it's their god-given as in it is in nature what is the kind of the history of um i mean obviously plant medicine was the only medicine that was around for millennia for everybody but and these are the two that that spring to mind and I suppose marijuana is the other one which is clearly a plant although it's been messed around with tampered and um and um modified a lot to mm-hmm. what I'm sure it was originally when people first started to realize its its effects but what is the history of I mean mushrooms have people been taking mushrooms forever and ever I mean what is do you know much about the history of that yeah so I mean a lot of the history is somewhat speculative because we don't have amazing records of it Uh, but as far back as 7000 BC we have cave paintings of uh, mushroom like figures or people turning into mushrooms people with mushrooms growing out of their fingers and their hands Uh, and in those times to paint something on the wall of a cave was usually an indicator that that was quite important to their culture um, because it's quite a difficult thing to do they didn't have paint so (laughs) you know um, it was often to show where a good hunting ground was or that something was was sacred so to see uh, amanita mascara kind of mushrooms and other forms of mushrooms in cave paintings indicates that perhaps as far back as that there has been a relationship between us and those sacred plants um i know that in africa there has been a connection with plant medicines you know in each part of the world there has been different connections with different medicine plants which i think is also quite beautiful so in the vedas you're you have a reference to soma which some people think of as a type of fungus um but we don't know because it's been lost to history. Um, we have in ancient Greece, there was the Illusion Mysteries, which was a potent sacrament, um, which was some form of psychedelic compound, which we think might have been ergot, which is what they derived LSD from, uh, which is suspended in an ethanol alcohol type substance. Um, but again, it's the mysteries, so we don't know. This is all speculation. Um, but it has been said that many of the like philosophers of ancient Greek, uh, Plato is known to have participated in the illusion mysteries. They, it was foundational and fundamental in them having the first republic of all time, where people were, were you know living without a, a kind of born into it ruler, which is quite phenomenal. So there is a strong possibility that sacred plant teachers have been a massive part of many cultures for a long time. In 
the African tribes, they work with ibogaine, uh, the iboga plant, uh, and they call that um, so because it's it connects them with their ancestors, they see it as a way to basically connect with the dead and communicate with those who've come before. Um, and so that has been uh, as long as there's been storytelling about it, it goes very far back. Um, ayahuasca has been uh, a native indigenous practice of the Latin Americas, so Central and Latin Americas have been um, working with that plant, which is the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna plant and they are brewed together to make a tea uh, in which you have dmt which is a psychoactive compound which is in all of our bodies we have dmt naturally occurring within us but it also has a dmt inhibitor which means what would usually be a kind of five to ten minute experience of a very intense trip with just dmt actually becomes a eight, six to eight hour experience. And that's why the ayahuasca journey feels so um, intense uh, because it's it's got those two compounds in. So it's fascinating that hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they learned from the jungle that these two plants together make that fantastic, uh, you know, life altering concoction. Um, and then here in, uh, the British Isles, we have had we have Liberty Caps, which grow, which are a natural um, form of magic mushroom. They are the second strongest form of magic mushroom in the entire world that grows and they contain for their size a lot of psilocybin. Um, but because of the fact that our lands were colonized and that they became uh, Christi Christianity kind of really took a hold here, um, all of our wisdom around the plants and the plant folklore has kind of been lost to people being called witches and burnt at the stake and it's really sad that our herb law of the kind of Celts and Druids and people who lived here um, may have been lost in that way. Um, the, we, there's also kind of I've heard thought about um, even when there was witch trials that perhaps there was some kind of group hallucination that happened from people uh, having rye and grain that had had the fungus ergot um, as part of it so that that may have been why in, uh, in periods of history there was kind of periods of particularly deranged behavior um so dancing you know, fever when yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't stop dancing and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so I mean we we don't know is the honest answer we don't know but if you're interested in this uh Graham Hancock does some really interesting speculation uh he's a he's a historian who uh, many mainstream historians uh discredit and don't like because he speaks about these things but um I think it's a it's definitely interesting. And it then, is interesting though how how society has decided and deemed these very natural things to be disgraceful and shameful and not to be done. And um and I, I find it really fascinating that we are kind of um deprived of and denied of our heritage with these plants. You know, yeah. there's so much. I mean, I think recently there's a there's a definite sort of upsurge in um, knowledge about um, mushrooms and not just mushrooms that have psilocybin in, but other mushrooms like, you know, lion's mane and turkey tail and cordyceps and all of these mushrooms that have the most incredible physical and mental benefits for us, again, when taken correctly. Mm. And there's a lot of products out there, you know, you can buy teas or pills or whatever, which have these um, incredible benefits. But that's only really recently that that's started to come out. And um, I was talking to, I talked a little while ago to a lovely lady who sells um, CBT things and products as well. And, you know, how this, this, you know, this, this drug that is, within marijuana so therefore it's been outlawed is actually really beneficial to us there are so many plant things and it just goes back to that that belief that I have is like everything we need you know you can put it in lots of different ways everything that I have I I, that I need I already have within me but also as a society whatever we need health-wise you know to support us is here 
on this planet, planet has for us yeah. yeah and it's such a shame that it's been vilified and made shameful yeah and I mean even the process of that it still makes me a bit angry because uh in the 60s there was a big movement towards counterculture and so these things were not just normal but they were being like uh, LSD and magic mushrooms were in the 50s uh, and actually late 40s were being heralded as a miracle absolute miracle substance and were in trials about just about anything and everything um, and so the the repression of those came from this counterculture movement where the people who were taking these substances became actually quite um, uh, determined that they didn't want to be participants in war. Uh, and at the time, uh, America was uh, at war with Vietnam and the counterculture drop, uh, drop tabs or drop yeah drop tabs not bombs this kind of um idea that you should be dropping acid and not wanting there to be a war um meant meant that the government at the time didn't want people to be taking these substances because they realized that they couldn't control people who had their mind opened with these potent substances and you know there is, of course, other aspects and other factors that came in with that, but I think a, a big part of why it was pushed down is because it allowed us to think for ourselves too much, and that still makes me mad that almost, if you really think about it, the, the idea that you can make a drug illegal, they say it's for our own safety, right, governments say that's for our own safety, but they don't do that for food when there's food that's unsafe for us and they they don't really do it for like alcohol is incredibly unsafe for us and so why is it that some things are okay for us to intoxicate ourselves with and other things aren't and why do they get to choose what that line is and when you really start to question that and think about it it's like actually you know why why is a government a group of people who don't actually know me personally there to tell me what I do with my mind and my body. That's actually quite a bizarre concept when you think about it. Yeah, it is. And you're you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, I, um, I have read about those um, experiments that were going on in the in the sort of uh, mid middle of the last century uh, with LSD. You know, with all of these kind of um, psychoactive drugs. And they were having really phenomenal success in treating depression and all of these kind of um, things. And actually it is now beginning to come back into being scientifically researched in a proper way. But, you know, we've missed out on like 70 years worth of research and potential benefit from understanding how these drugs work, you know? Um, and I know that, um, Another side of, of taking these, um, especially mushrooms, is um, microdosing. Mm. I think there's a lot of people I know, you know, I have a friend, I know a person who um, was an addict and in order to like just come into a normal stasis of way of being, um, they microdose on, you know, they just pop up, just to have the, a mushroom a day, you know, a tiny little amount just keeps them going it just allows them to not fall into this depression now this person has worked this out for themselves <laughs> and self-medicates but it's keeping them in a place where they can operate a normal in a normal way mm -hmm. without it i i don't know how they would be probably not great um but the benefits of microdosing, is that something that you work with as well, microdosing? Yeah, so I've had quite a journey with microdosing. I currently don't microdose, um, but I there's almost two approaches. There's a modern Western approach, which is what you're talking about, where you're almost taking it um, in lieu of taking some form of antidepressant or some other substance like that. So it's just something that you'd take and uh, you enjoy some of the... Um, benefits of that and you know there are plenty of of people who are saying that it's helpful for 
uh, treatment of their anxiety or depression or um, addiction, OCD. Now, I will just say uh, for some people, taking plant medicines can actually be very difficult if they are in active addiction just because of the psychotropic nature of them. So if you are an addict and you are in um, like... Uh, what's it called um i can't think of the word now where you in recovery from addictions i would definitely stay away from trying to fix your problems with another substance because that can <laughs> be the nature of addiction so i just you know unless you're like in a clinical trial that's part of that and you are working with people who are doing that really safely for you i just want to put that out there because i, I know that some people can you know have an ayahuasca experience or something and actually then fall back into addiction just because they've become addicted to this other way of trying to um, find the solution outside of themselves yeah um, but yeah, these things are talking about that is lauter themselves so not perhaps not a great example <laughs> yeah and i mean but the the potency for them to be a treatment for something it, it it does stand now the other approach to it is a more kind of um shamanic approach which is to have a, what's called a master plant dieta which is where you will um have some austerity in your life so you might not also um abstain from caffeine and alcohol maybe even sex during this period when you're connecting to this plant so that you can really deeply connect to the energy of this plant teacher and you can learn everything that it gives you on this kind of small kind of microdose level so you're connecting with it much more on an energetic plane uh, and you will maybe journal or have someone who you reflect with alongside that journey uh, and for that you can then gain spiritual insight you can use it as a way of um, increasing your connection with the plant especially if you're wanting to maybe serve the medicine or deepen your relationship with the medicine in between times that you would work with it more ceremonially so it depends there's kind of two approaches to it and i don't think either one is particularly like better or worse than the other within our society a, a lot of people talk about microdosing really as that kind of uh, almost therapeutic way uh, i think there's also this kind of middle way uh, obviously as a positive psychologist i'm always really fascinated about but what about the healthy normals <laughs> so you know when i think about this kind of middle way is people might be doing it so the first kind of I ever heard about microdosing was around people in like San Francisco in like tech companies microdosing to have that edge against the other people at their kind of big tech firm so becoming more creative or uh, maybe more productive and I thought that is crazy that you know these plant medicines are now being used in this like hyper capitalist environment but those things do still stand and i guess this actually ends up coming full circle to your benefits question from earlier um that people can experience a boost in creativity they can in increase mindfulness a feeling of like being really present in their somatic experience in their mind in their body in their breath without even really having to it's not like they've had to like practice or you know um have a meditation practice it just allows them to be like quite present and focused which can be really incredible for athletes because you know yeah. having that mind body connection is really powerful um also the kind of secondary benefits of mindfulness is that it allows your nervous system to feel very calm and very safe so that can also be very helpful if you are prone to anxiety it can increase your viability for mystical experiences so that tends to be on a higher dosage, although having said that you can have, especially if you have a practice of prayer or contemplation, or you already have some sort of spiritual practice, when you combine that with microdosing, that then can also be a very effective way of kind of increasing your connection to whatever your personal kind of um, perception of the God face is, um, can be really good for kind of personal development reasons, allowing you to perhaps see more clearly aspects of yourself that you don't necessarily look at especially if you combine it with a journaling practice because then you have two tools at, um becoming a little bit more self-aware so you might see that oh actually 
you know, when you meditate quite a lot, you can have this like second you, the meta you, the you that's watching you uh, and then you. And so you have the version of you that's kind of doing the thing and you're going to the fridge and you're getting out the food and blah, 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 blah. Then you've got the meta you who's watching you do it. And usually, you know, in our day to day life, we're just doing the things. Mm -hmm. But when you meditate quite a lot or you have some other practices that um, allow you to have that self-awareness, this second you becomes a bit louder and becomes, oh, do you really want to eat that? Is that actually going to get you to the goals that you're working towards in your health and your well-being? Um, and so that can be something that happens as well with microdosing is that the almost becomes more space between your thought and your action or your meta awareness becomes a little bit more pronounced and, and you you then are I feel like this meta awareness is also kind of connected a little with your higher self so you at your potential so it's like you have a greater um dialogue or influence from you at your kind of fullest potential which obviously has like incredible impact on just how you live your life on the on the kind of ground level on the day-to-day -day basis because I mean if you if you we, most of us go through our lives and the voice that we hear is the is the ego the super ego going you're a pile of poop or you know telling us all the rubbish stuff that we don't want to hear and we have to work really hard to listen to that higher voice that higher mm -hmm. self that truth that real authentic you know and that's the work that you know when you're working with energy and we're working in any kind of spiritual practice um the, that's that's the the voice that you're wanting to tap into because mm -hmm. then you know when you're listening to that voice you're living with complete open-hearted wholehearted authenticity and that's where you want to be mm -hmm. so having that amplified is um is what we all you know that's what we're aiming for so yeah it's a fascinating way uh to get there so just to um, you touched on this positive psychology um the you you are a positive psychologist what is that just briefly because i feel like this feeds into everything that you do and you know with the coaching that you do plus this plant medicine and guidance and so on um yeah what is positive what is positive psychology I mean, it yeah. sounds to be obvious, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so um, basically up until about the 1990s, all psychology that we had in the West was about how to fix things that were wrong with people. So we had been accumulating an awareness of uh, neuroses and maladies and ways that people were mentally struggling or suffering, uh, and then were creating ways to to basically heal those. Uh, and so uh, in the, about the 1990s, uh, there was a gentleman called Martin Seligman, who's referred to as the father of positive psychology. And he came along and said, hey, what about the healthy normals? What, what does psychology offer in the fields of people excelling expectations what does psychology have to offer in terms of understanding what makes people great at what they do uh, why aren't we looking at strengths why aren't we looking at and so this became the foundational philosophy or psychology that runs under um, a lot of occupational psychology a lot of um, sports psychology a lot of these other things where psychology is um, basically the foundation of what makes somebody good at something what makes somebody better like how can we flourish as humans and so positive psychology is the psychology of well-being the psychology of happiness the psychology of excellence of uh, high performance of human flourishing and so instead of kind of looking at all um you know, someone's struggling with uh, depression or anxiety, how do we fix that? We go, this person isn't struggling with anything. How can we make them as happy and as well and as um, successful as an individual as they can possibly be? I mean, everybody needs that, right? That's, <laughs> that is, yeah. And I, and I, now you describe it to me, I, I recognize that because that's how you work. That's what is, that's what your work is, is you, talk to people you find out what their strengths are and you go right let's go for it let's let's really make the most of all of your strengths and that's that's why I love working with you Rosie because mm -hmm. you are so positive um but we've taken up a lot of your time already I want you to now tell people how to get hold of you where they can find you what you have to offer anything all of that kind of good stuff and then I'll put links in the show notes for everybody to find you uh 
I would love for us to connect on Instagram if you want to carry on the chat and if you have listened to this and you've met me here if you start to follow me come and drop me a DM and let me know and let's be friends I would love really that. really good on Instagram, Instagram. Yeah, I am Rosie Peacock on Instagram um and then yeah so i have two websites i have the website for all of my stuff to do with psychedelics which is my personal brand www.rosypeacock.com but i've also got a second one where i'm the ceo of conscious enterprise which is where i do all my business coaching my brand photography that's my kind of uh, business um business business <laughs> so um that's www.conscious uh, hyphen enterprise.co.uk and yeah if you are interested more in the psychedelics work I have a free preparation course which I'm going to share with Roseanne to share with you guys and should you want to take that a step further and you would like a one-to-one -one retreat I am currently booking a very limited number of one-to-one of -one retreats over in the Netherlands so get in touch if that floats your boat yes well um it is really exciting everything that you've got going on is fantastic and thank you you've shared so much i mean i feel i know that i could talk to you for hours um but i feel like there's only so much one can take in at a time you've given us <laughs> to understand and i think it's such a valuable understanding to have because i think it's really easy to have um you know to make a snap judgment about farmers and go oh it's drugs and therefore I just say no you know I don't like drugs and actually there's so much more to it there's so much to make to gain you know mother nature mother earth has given us many gifts and we to reject them and say they're bad aho I feel <laughs> you on that one <laughs> thank you so much for having me Roseanne and thank you listeners for staying with us up until the end I appreciate you thank you Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.